0: Hey everyone, welcome back. Thanks for joining me again. I've gotten some uh, some good reviews on the first two pods and I really, really appreciate that. I appreciate everyone has taken a few minutes uh, out of their busy lives to, to listen to some of my stuff. It uh, really means a lot. Uh, today I am, I am really struggling. Um, I came home from work and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to work on the pod today. I'm just not in a good mood. I'm going to sit on the couch and uh, and read a book. I just got a new book from the library. Um, and then I was sitting there and I was thinking, why not do the pod today? I have a podcast about behavioral health. Uh, when you're in a shit mood and depression is trying to win the day, go back there in your study and turn your microphone on and start talking. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. I might not... Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. I don't really have a, a plan on what I'm going to talk about uh, today, but I'm just going to talk. So um, I applied for a job uh, out here in Arizona. Uh, I'm not going to... It was at the Arizona State Police. I'm not going to get into the details of what it was for. Um, I interviewed. I, I thought I did very, very well. Uh, the guy that I interviewed with, the sergeant, told me I did very well. However, they had a uh, another candidate. So uh, I was... Not given the opportunity for that job, and that that has triggered uh, a lot shame, vulnerability, not being worthy. Why am I not good enough? You know, just uh, just a lot, a lot of negative thoughts uh, yesterday, um, and they've gone into today. Last night, I ended up taking a sleeping pill about eight thirty, and got up at seven this morning. I had some some crazy dreams, but that was okay. I was kind of hoping to get up and and be a little bit better today, but uh um I'm working at a local store uh which which I enjoy it's, it's not that I don't like it, I really really do like it, but it's uh obviously it's not where I want to be. it's not what I went to school and got a master's degree for uh for doing retail and that 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 compounds uh the vulnerability as well why when i'm standing at the register and someone walks in the door and i say hello sir ma'am welcome in when they look at me and everyone has looked at me and smiled and said thanks for some reason i have that little devil sitting on my shoulder going that person is judging you for being a 49 year old man uh working in a retail liquor store and that's not happening but that's that, that is the voice that's going on in my head um So I didn't get the job, um, and that has uh, adversely affected my mood. Uh, I came home again, and when I came into the study, I was thinking about um, what it was that I wanted to talk about, and I started uh, doing a little research and listening to Brene Brown's uh, TED Talk from October of 2010, and for anyone out there who's not familiar with Brene Brown, she is a therapist, and um, I'm going to call her the resident expert on Shame, vulnerability, and how we all feel that uh, everyone feels vulnerability, everyone feels shame. Um, but the uh, the point of it is how how do you adapt and overcome uh, to that shame, and why why does that happen? And one of the things that in her uh, in her TED Talk, um, the power of vulnerability, it was. Recorded in October of 2010, so just about uh, 11 years later, it has more than 2.6 million views. And it is highly regarded by everyone uh, that that has ever seen it and watched it as groundbreaking. I I encourage anyone who has not watched it to go ahead and watch it. And even if you have watched it, watch it again. But one of the things that she talks about is how shame is the fear of disconnection. And I feel shame today that I did not get that job with the Arizona State Police, uh, Department of Public Safety. Kind of New Jersey roots there that we had the the troopers were state police, but out here in Arizona, the troopers were for the Department of Public Safety. And I have a lot of shame in that, that I have um, certifications that would fill a small notebook. I have three college degrees. I have four certificates of higher learning that came from National Fire Academy and two, one from MIT, one from Arizona State University. And it's like, why, why am I so good on paper? And I'm really good in the room. I interview very well. I've been told by just about everyone that I've ever interviewed with that I interview very well. So what is it that um, that causes me not to get this job? And I mean, there's there's a bunch of negativity that goes into that. And that's that. That creates the shame that I'm feeling today, and and that is uh, very, very difficult to overcome. But something else that Brene Brown says is that vulnerability is the core of shame, but it's also the core of creativity. And when I heard her say that, I that was when I decided, you know, put the headset on, put the microphone on, and let's get the talking because. Creating things when I'm depressed seems to be a positive for me. Uh, several years ago, I was, I was going through a, a pretty good bout of depression and I was drinking a lot. And I started to write some stuff down about how I was feeling while drinking. Like, what did it feel like when that first taste of Maker's Mark whiskey went down my throat and how much I liked that burn and how much I looked forward to that burn and how disappointed I was that you never get the same burn in the subsequent swallows of of the whiskey. It's like you're, you're searching for the first time over and over and over again. And the first time is absolutely never replicated because the first time is done and it becomes the second time and the third time and the fourth time. Um, but I was always trying to replicate how that felt, and I ended up start, and I started writing about how that felt, and that was the cusp of the first novel that I wrote, so sometimes um, shame and vulnerability can lead to a a lot of good creativity. Uh, I know a lot of writers that do their best writing when they're in a depression, and I'm sure a lot of people know the, the story of Ernest Hemingway and the lifelong depressions that he went through, and he wrote some of the greatest books in the history of this country. Yet he was severely depressed. Definitely could have benefited from medications that we have today, and ended up uh, taking his own life as a result of his depression. When I get depressed, when I get to to feeling this way, I definitely, I've had a lot of thoughts of hurting myself, which I have not had in a while. And it's just it's just the depression winning. And one of my uh, one of my favorite movies is the the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, one of the best short novellas that Stephen King wrote was called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, and in the screen adaptation uh, was just the Shawshank Redemption. But in that movie, just before Andy Dufresne. Uh, Breaks out of prison and I'm probably not giving any spoiler alerts here because that movie is 30 years old But he's sitting outside the in the prison yard lean up against the wall talking to red and he says to red get busy living or get busy dying I have adopted that as a bit of a mantra of my own Uh, Get busy living or get busy dying Because I I believe that if I if I stay stagnant and if I sit still I will eventually shoot myself That's my plan it's tough to to give voice to that 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 I actually do have a plan, and I guess that i I've, I've had people ask me uh if I've ever attempted suicide and and it's not it's not an ego centric answer that I give, and I don't mean it to be um, belittling at all, but as as a first responder, I have seen. Dozens of people that completed suicide, I have seen or died by suicide, as the uh, the researchers uh, would like to be termed. So I know that any attempt that I make uh, will not be just that that simple cry for help. I have unfortunately seen a lot of young kids, uh, mostly females, um, young girls, that you know, had the fight with the boyfriend or with mom or dad or whatever the case may be and swallowed a handful of Tylenol saying, hey, this is my attention grab, not realizing that the massive amounts of toxicity you're doing to your kidneys and liver and and three days later they're dead. I know that I would not have to attempt such an event. My first time would be my only time. So I, I know that sitting on the couch and Feeling sullen and sorry for myself does not do me any good, and it, it it serves no purpose other than to point me into the direction of, why don't we just stop all this vulnerability and shame? Uh, it's only going to take one bullet to do that. Um, and that, that kind of got me to thinking today when I was standing there at work uh, in between customers, I, I took out a piece of paper and was writing down some notes, trying to understand how our mood affects behavioral health and why, why does my brain not allow me to just say, okay, you didn't get the job you wanted. Yes, you would have been really good at it, but for whatever reason, you just weren't a good fit. And that's for the Sergeant, and the state police to, to know. And, and I don't need to know why I wasn't a good fit. Obviously, uh, no, uh, no answer that he was, was to give me would have, would have really mattered. So why, do I, why am I not able to just say, okay, you know, water under the bridge, let's move on. And I have a very good friend, um, Jess, who is struggling with a lot of things herself. And she and I have kind of become behavioral health buddies, if you will. And I very, very easily find myself giving her advice and telling her how my experiences have been and what my conversations with my therapist Dana have been and how those conversations and those experiences of mine can help lay a um, more comfortable path for her to take. And yet she'll say the same things back to me and I'll get pissed off about, it. uh, and I'll cut her off and I'll say, I don't want to talk about this. Um, or I won't respond to a text, uh, from her because I'm feeling this way. And, and it's, it's not fair. Uh, it's not fair to her. It's not fair to anyone that, that I do that. However, I do it. I do it all the time. Cause I just, when I get into the mood and the depression starts to win, I just want to envelop myself in that, shitty little cocoon and just stay inside my, my anger and my shame and my vulnerability and not do anything about it. And this, this is a way of doing something about it. This past uh, couple of weeks have, um, have brought a lot of different behavioral health issues to the limelight, especially with, uh, Simone Biles, um, competing for the United States Olympic team in gymnastics in Tokyo. As many people know, that she uh, she's gone through a lot in in her young life, uh, and she was not up to a hundred percent, and she withdrew from competition, um, citing some behavioral health challenges. And I, I think the the stigma that behavioral health still brings with it um, caused a lot of people to come out. Uh, on social media against, uh, this young lady. And, uh, I mean, the irony of it was, uh, you, you look at the avatars of some of these people that are saying this, this vitriolic nonsense, and they, they get short of breath bending over the tie of their damn shoes. And it's just, just get over your damn self. You know, she's out there representing the United States of America. And I, I greatly appreciate that. And I applaud her for doing it. However, she, is not there to please us at the same time, if that makes any sense. She's representing our country. However, she's, she's still a human being and she's a very young girl doing a very, very challenging thing. Um, One of the things that she said last (laughs) night, she gave a, uh, a press conference or not I guess not a press conference, but did an interview on uh n b c after she competed and won the bronze medal on the balance beam and one of the one of the things she said was that she she felt embarrassed to share her behavioral health story, and I got a little uh I got a little clumped when I heard her say that because yeah, me too sister, we all do, and i mean there's no She's on a massive, massive stage sharing her behavioral health story. Uh, And if that is not encouragement enough for me and thousands of others to sit here in front of my little yellow-topped microphone and share my behavioral health story, uh, she has certainly given me a lot of encouragement. And one of the things that, you know, what i noticed with her is going back to what brene brown had said was that shame is the fear of disconnection she was vilified uh on social media some asshats that call themselves reporters that were you know had had the audacity to uh speak out against her i mean, I mean who the hell are you to speak out against what she does it's just uh it's deplorable um what social media grants some people in this in this country and in this world uh, to do um, they would never say those things to to that young lady's face and it's just shameful but uh, I applaud her for coming out and saying the things that she did and and stepping back and taking the time that she felt that she needed uh, regardless of what the uh, keyboard cowboys felt uh, that she owed them. In uh, Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, she talks about a, uh, a speech that Theodore Roosevelt gave, uh, where the phrase Daring Greatly comes from. Uh, the speech was titled Citizenship in a Republic, and it's sometimes referred to as the man in the arena. The speech was delivered at the Sorbonne in Paris, France, on April 23rd, 1910. Um, she has a the an excerpt of that speech in the uh, preface of her book darren greatly uh and Dana, my therapist has a framed copy of it uh hanging on the wall in her office and I bought one for myself, which is here in my den um that kind of overlooks this table that I'm sitting at as I do my podcasts and um I think it's very fitting talking about the the things that I've experienced this week and um in applauding uh, Simone Biles. Um, so I just wanna, wanted to read a little bit of it. Um, and this is directly from uh, Brene Brown's book, uh, Darren Greatly. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat? To paraphrase that, get busy living or get busy dying. Darren greatly can be whatever it is that you want it to be. Uh, for some people, it's it's getting out of bed in the morning. Uh, for some people, it's it's getting into the shower. I know I've had my days where I just want to sit on the couch and I go from bed to couch and bed to couch and bed to couch. But that's just what depression is. It, it grabs a hold of you. It sucks you down and it keeps you down. Um, so your your Darren greatly can be can be whatever you choose it to be, and it is never ever. Ever, the critic who counts The only person that counts is the person staring back at you in the mirror uh, And we can all We can all improve upon who that person is But we're not going to Improve on who that person is Based on who somebody else Wants us to be Or who somebody else expects us to be As I record this episode I have uh, Six Large chicken breasts out on my smoker They're actually uh, Spatchcock chickens with the legs and the thighs cut off, and it's just just the breast meat on the smoker. Um, again, just a you know a simple dry rub recipe. I use salt, cane sugar, basil, brown sugar, paprika, garlic, chili pepper, and a little molasses, all mixed up together in a bowl, and then uh, literally applied to the chicken. The one thing you want to do if you're doing chicken in the smoker is to cut the skin off um before you put it into the smoker so the reason for that is at the high temperature so this is this is smoking at 275 degrees it's going to take about two and a half to three hours so as soon as I'm done here I'm going to be taking it off but if you don't cut that skin off the skin is going to be the first part to um cook and it's going to get very crispy which is very very tasty don't get me wrong but the the meat immediately underneath of that skin is going to almost be protected as like a a leather. Um, And it's not going to get, uh, it's not going to cook as well. And it's certainly not going to get the flavor that you want if you cut the skin off. So always cut the skins right off of that. I also have uh, some sweet potatoes in there. Got a really good recipe um, off of the Pit Boss website. Uh, Two big sweet potatoes, poke a bunch of holes in them with a fork Uh, Hand rub some uh, extra virgin olive oil on them and then add some um, coarse kosher salt over the top, put right in the smoker for about three hours. It's fantastic.